Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. Well, a happy new well, year. Happy new year, mate. It's, it's, year. Yeah, I guess at what point is it too far into the year to, to stop saying it? But it's the it's our first podcast back after an extended Christmas break. So, uh, yeah, so thanks to all of our listeners who have tuned in and uh, we'll hopefully get the year off to uh, some kind of big party. <laughs> well, yeah, we um, we quite often talk about party politics on the show. Um, but this week, I, I guess we are, but in a more literal sense. It is, it's more the politics of parties than uh, and, uh, Yeah, so it is, uh, it's been an extraordinary few weeks. Um, Often we expect things just to quieten down over Christmas, and I guess to a greater or lesser extent they have. Um, but um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 fans, the the flames of of party gates seem to die down and flare up um, periodically. So we'll have a good dig into that um, this week, and then a, a, a sports feature, not one we have especially often on the uh, often on the pod. Mostly due to, it must be said, your somewhat thin grasp of of, of sport would be your top um, choice, would it? In a general knowledge, course. not really. No. no, no, I'm 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 not a sports kind of person. Yeah, so uh, we've been looking across to the uh, the the land of nature's gifts of beauty, rich and fair, Australia, and our chum Novak's is that Novak's or Novak Djokovic, but both. And we'll give a kick around that. And then if there's time at the end, we've got a, a build your own story. And we'll look at um, the, the likes of Next and Ikea who are um, changing their policy on sick pay. So a whole heap of mostly COVID related fun. But then it seems to be the only gig in town at the minute. It, it does. But, you know, who knows? Maybe um, maybe some stuff about Ikea will uh, give us instructions about building a cabinet. And then that might be something that... Someone oh. needs to do soon. Oh, that's very good. That is very good. Very good. I do I like love, that. I do like that. I do like that. I'm a big IKEA fan. I'm, I've I've built more IKEA stuff than you can shake a stick at. And despite not being able to see, I've now got this ability where if I can feel the thing in the store, I can build it. It's legit to, to watch. It's like that. It's like that Lionel Richie video with a big old plasticine head. It's stunning to behold. But anyway, we digress. We do. Um, to me, it's just like Argos for grown-ups, really. It's just that exciting place. But then you go downstairs and it's really kind of miserable. Um, anyway, um, we move on. So, um, okay. So, each time we went to research this, um, and um, and this is kind of maybe much the, much the case that... Um, that Sue Gray's going to find is each time you think that you've looked at all you need to look at this, something else comes up and there's an, oh, there's another one. Um, it so does have just, a touch, doesn't it? The old Columbo. Just one more thing. Just, just, just one more thing, Mr. Prime. I don't even know what accent that's meant to be, but basically just one more thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through, um, we're not going to do it with like any top 10 music, um, but we're going to go through a list that's been culminated from news reports that have, um, that have either been on the Guardian, the Independent, the Times, 
the Sunday Mirror, uh, BBC, Sky News, um, or indeed from uh, nationalworld.com. So we've done a bit of kind of squeezing things in together and a bit of um, yep. uh, 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 a bit of uh, condensing it down. So 23rd of March, 2020, the country is in a strict national lockdown um and non-essential high street businesses are closed and people are ordered to stay at home and allowed only one hour's exercise um outside per day but allowed to leave home for essential purposes i.e to care for someone else um or to get food if we can cast our mind back that's the mm. kind of you know that's the sort of time when the pm was saying um many many people will sadly lose members of their family um before their time kind of stuff that was that really kind of damning this this feels like the start of a disaster movie kind of thing uh, 10th of may 2020 um people were allowed back to work if they couldn't work from home but were told to avoid public transport the 13th of may 2020 uh, people were allowed to leave home for outdoor recreation and could meet a whole one other person outdoors as long as they were socially distanced and, and thus so, far, everything you've described doesn't say party to me. No, but I'm setting the scene. No, no, so, I see a painting. Let me pick a word and yes, pictures. I, Beautiful. Keep going. Yes. Yes. So the 15th of May 2020, um, according to The Guardian and The Independent, the PM is reported to have joined a gathering uh, for number 10 staff with the PM in attendance for 15 minutes. Um, he um, he said that staff, sorry, number 10's uh, response when questioned about this was that staff deserved a drink for beating back coronavirus. I'm pretty sure the members of the um, collapsing members of staff in the NHS felt um, they probably were worthy of a tot of rum themselves. Um, some 20 staff uh, drank wine and spirits followed by pizza. We don't know which pizzas or whether it was Wokingham pizza or whether any members of the royal family were involved. Um, but some were in the offices in number 10 and some were in the garden. Um, this was the same day that hours earlier, um, Health Secretary um, Matthew Hancock had been uh, had basically been calling on the public to stay home as much as possible. 20th of May 2020, number 10 staff are invited to a socially distanced drinks uh, while the country was in its, still in its first national lockdown. Um, an email has emerged inviting 100 staff to attend and to, quote, make the most of the weather. Um, an hour earlier, uh, Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden had uh, given a Downing Street press briefing telling people that they only um, they could only meet one person outside of their household um, or their bubble in a public place, um, but um, only if social distancing was maintained. Um, and that came to light uh, this month. And I think, from I think from memory, a, a number there were a number of published responses to that one from the invitees that said, kind of along the lines of is this for real you know are, are you mad um and i think of the hundred hundred that were invited i think 30 turned in, about 30 turned in yes um yes so that was you know because because some of the comparisons that have been published are have, have been home secretary uh pretty patel being quoted as saying if i knew that my neighbor was was breaking um, the COVID rules, then yes, I absolutely would report them. And then this. Um, so, um, so that was the 20th of May. Um, and then if we skip ahead uh, until the 13th of November, with a, with a tear in his eye, Dominic Cummings left number 10, carrying his big box of 
oh. secrets and where all the bodies were buried, um, claiming that a Downing Street party took place in the, sorry, a street, uh, not a street party, a party in the Downing Street flat took place that evening after he had left. Um, why they would celebrate him leaving, I'm not sure. Um, but number 10 has denied this took place. Um, so 25th of November, the Times reported that an impromptu drinks with two dozen civil servants who'd uh, come in to work on the autumn spending review um, took place at the Treasury while the country was still in lockdown. So these were people that had come in to work on the spending review, yep. but hung about to have some drinks. Uh, 27th of November, uh, the PM is reported to have made a speech at a staff leaving party uh, while the country at that point was in its second lockdown. Um, and the 14th of December, the Times reports that in the bowels of Conservative, the Conservative Party HQ, uh, mayoral candidate Sean Bailey partied with at least two dozen staff and volunteers. There were indeed some pictures of um, of the um, of the catering equipment and the food and um, people basically in a, in a posing in a, in a crowd. Uh, disciplinary actions were taken against the four um, Conservative Party HQ staff that were seconded to the campaign. Um, and Mr. Bailey has since sat down in his role as chair of the London Assembly Police and Crime Committee. Um, so, hmm. December the 15th, 2020, um, a picture emerged of the PM in front of a laptop in the number 10 library. Seems innocuous, you, 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 you'd kind of, yeah. um, you'd think. Um, but sources report that staff were drinking, um, so basically the virtual quiz took place. Yeah. Um, but there are reports that staff were um, drinking and were huddled around computers um, in order to answer the questions. Uh, but again, these were staff that were in the office that day. So this wasn't necessarily a separate event. It was something tagged on to the end of a working day. But the rules at the time say that work parties should not take place. Um, and apparently the PM was a quiz master for one round. But we have no reports of what the scores were and who won. Yeah, or even what his specialist subject was. Um, well, no comment. Um, so uh, December 16th, um, according to the Mirror, the Department of Transport um, staff held a Christmas party in Whitehall. And although um, Grant Shapps, um, who was the minister at the time, was not reported uh, to be in attendance, a spokesperson later said that, um, quote, fewer than a dozen staff who were working in the office had a low key socially distanced gathering in the large open plan office after work where food and drink was consumed. We recognise this was inappropriate and apologise for the error of judgment. Um, again, this was at a time when the country was basically being told not to do things like that. Um, 17th of December, um, Cabinet Secretary uh, Simon Case's staff took part in a virtual quiz. Um, now, remember that name because he comes up later on. Um, with the six people who were due to be in the office uh, taking part from there and others taking part virtually from home. Again, sounds quite innocuous. Um, but later that evening, Mr. Case's own staff had a, had a gathering in his private office. Um, not, you know, him, there's no report that he was present. Uh, but um, so that same evening at the end of the working day, uh, Kate Josephs um, had uh, leaving drinks with staff in the office in the part of um, government that she worked in um, to mark that she was leaving her position as director general of the COVID task force. Um, so you'd kind of think that people like that would have yeah. some sort of idea about what was going on and um, apparently she'd left um, government to become the chief executive of Sheffield City Council I'm sure they're proud 18th of December we're nearly there Ian um, so uh, just after just days after London uh, go, went into tier three 
so that people could only mix indoors with members of their own bubble or their own household. Um, around 40 uh, members of staff at Downing Street were at a cheese and wine evening, or what's been described as a cheese and wine evening, which carried on until the small hours with secret Santa gifts uh, being exchanged and Downing Street Director of Communications, Jack Doyle, handing out awards and giving an address to staff. Um, it is this event that was the subject of the uh, mock press uh, press conference uh, performance that um, that Allegra Stratton um, yeah. was was caught on video and, and then subsequently resigned um, the day after those re um, those revelations became public. On the twentieth of December, twenty twenty, uh, London is in tier two by this point, so indoor mixing was banned. And permanent secretary of the Department of Education, Susan Ackland Hood, confirmed a party was held um, at the Department of Education, which was attended by the then. Secretary of Education, Gavin Williamson. Um, whether he feels that she should shut up and go away, we obviously can't know at this point. We've got no quote. December the 16th, sorry, April the 16th of 2021, uh, there are reports of not one, but two different leaving parties taking place on the same day at Downing Street in different parts of the building. Um, the night before the funeral of Prince Philip, so the country's in mourning, um, we're treated, obviously, to the solemn pictures of Her Majesty the Queen um, in St George's Chapel, sitting alone, um, obeying um, the COVID restrictions at the time at his funeral. Um, so around 30 Downing Street staff um, joining, uh, joining in with this event. The two different parties actually ended up merging in the garden at Downing Street um, with reports of one member of the staff acting as an impromptu DJ um, and indeed um, it being such a restrained event that um, someone damaged the swing that belongs to the PM's son. Um, oh, and someone had to be dispatched to the local co-op to procure a suitcase full of wine. I mean, at least they weren't using any single-use plastics to, uh, as the carriers. Um, the PM at the time was in checkers. So, so that's the kind of the, the list of... This is this is what we know so far, or this is what's being reported so far. Mm. Um, um, now, interestingly, the um, so the investigation that the PM uh, mentions is um, is going to be led now by Sue Gray. Um, so she will report in the next um, week or so uh, to the PM for the PM to decide whether any action should be taken, or indeed whether the report should be handed over to the police. And the Metropolitan Police have decided that they won't investigate anything until someone that works for the accused government has finished their investigation um uh but interestingly enough um the uh, the person doing the investigation and was originally meant to be cabinet secretary simon case um but he was taken off the case because of the yeah. aforementioned party that took place in his own office in december yes the, the um, he had found his face in a case of wine it would seem um, well, the reports don't indicate that he was at that party, um, right. but perhaps at some point early on in him being appointed as the investigator, someone in his office should have said, uh, boss, just yeah, this sorry. thing. Sorry, this Gov. This political hand grenade is going to blow up in your in your political face in a second. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we are. Um, did you want to kick that about a bit before we hear what the PM said in PMQs on Wednesday, or should we go with? Yeah, we go no. with the PM? Well, let's let, let's let's kick it about a little bit first, because for for me, there's very much a picture there, isn't there? And it, it, it is a 
when you look at it collectively, it is a, it's wince-worthy, isn't it? Because it's just and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. But they are actually all different things. And, you know, again, without going down an apocryphal route, there is an element of they are shades of grey, aren't they? There is an element Ooh. of, you know, there is... No, the, the well, yes. There, there, there is, for me, there is a difference between if you're all working in the same office and at the end of the working day, you crack a few tinnies. That is breaking the letter of the law, spirit of the law, perhaps. I, I'm kind of, I'm a bit more sort of, mm, okay, that one. Although it's been a very long time since I was in a workplace which would allow the consumption of a few tinnies on site. But that might just be, I might be in the minority. Uh, but you've got that all the way through to, you know, this is a full on, you know, that the, 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 the one in April, this is two leaving dues which have come together to be a right royal lash up. And, you know, the somebody needs to go to the co-op to get another suitcase of wine. You've, you've lost all perspective at that point. And I think the thing that, that there are so many things that trouble me about it, but it, it just feels like there's an elitism within what they call the Westminster Village, which is a mixture of MPs and the majority of civil servants who've got just this air of, well, yes, 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 I know, I know the rules are the rules, obviously, you know, but we've got a bit of latitude to be a bit flexible. And I think that's that arrogance is what is coming, that pervades that whole list that you've just read out. Um, it, it is, and, it, and obviously it's clear from the list that, you know, no, one, no one's pretending that the PM was um, was present at all of those. No. Nope. Um, but nonetheless, um, these take place in his official residence. Um, and, they, you know, there will be his um, heads of department, etc., his ministers that would have... It, it, it reaches beyond um, credibility to think that no one knew that these things were happening. Um, and, it, you know, it's almost actually worse if it was if they were incompetent enough to not know that these things were happening. Um, so and one thing that struck me in this, mm. sorry, just to cut in there, is how big is 10 Downing Street? Uh, well, it is. I mean, despite kind of what it looks like on the TV, as you know, you kind of it looks like it, you know, obviously a. Um, a relatively large terraced house, but actually, when yeah. you look at it on, when you look at it on Google Maps, or you look at it, um, you know, you, it is actually quite a large complex. It's actually a complex. It's a, effectively a a mansion of um, uh, of connected buildings. Um, yeah. So in that respect, it isn't it isn't a case of um, hang on, is that a work party, Ian? I can I can. I, say I thought I thought it was only appropriate that. Um... So seeing as I'd be breaking no rules, and let's face it, this is not going to be the easiest podcast I've ever had to chew my way through for my team. Uh, no, okay, all right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll allow you to um, we'll allow you to reach for a tinny, um, but yeah, it, 
you know, it's not the same as you know. I'm not being funny. You you're living in a two up, two down, and you not being funny. You know what you you know what your neighbours yeah. are having for you know what they're watching on telly. Um, nonetheless, um, it it reaches beyond the possible of, of excusable to be able to kind of say, well, this was happening in a part of the building, and no one that I knew knew about it, and to and to constantly being asked about about it and saying um, these things didn't happen. But we're getting reports that they did happen. Okay, well, if these things happen, I'm absolutely sure that social distancing took place and all rules, all rules were followed. And then to say, but we've got reports that that didn't happen, and actually you were at some of them. Was I? Well, I, I'm sorry. How how drunk do you have to be at a party to not know that you were even well, there? Well, some say that the best parties are the ones that you don't remember. But I think in this case, there there is an element of of uh, and I think it's why, why it is playing out so very, very badly. Because there is an element of, you know, there's an old adage, isn't there? When finding yourself in a hole, stop digging. But there is an element of, it, it, it seems like the, the Westminster machine thinks that we can, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Well, here are the pictures oh and there's still that kind of you know for me i don't and i guess it's always been my kind of i've had the concern for years about the way in which in which bad news is managed and i use that in in quotes because for me after the first and let's face it this is being very cleverly orchestrated because somebody has yes. got all of these cards and is playing them one by one. And so pre-Christmas, when the Christmas party cards were being played, the sensible person would have got the full disclosure, would have got everything out in the open, and would have buried the story over Christmas. Now, I know that sounds awful, but from a political standpoint, you know, you, you would have, the sensible person would have done that. And what it feels like is the conversation's gone on and says, right, we've been caught there, but, but I think we'll be all right with all the other ones we know about. Yeah, it's, I, I'm just sorry. It just, it, it just beggars belief that the, I don't know what, because it, it plays like arrogance. It feels like arrogance to think, these things are happening and we can get away with it and people will forget it. They will move on. Um, so, but yeah, it is an interesting thing that obviously these things may have just suddenly come to light in the media, but obviously someone or whether that's some people in the media or whether there's someone behind the scenes carefully orchestrating that um, is dripping this stuff out. So it's almost politic a political death of a thousand cuts. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's not that... It's not the act that gets you, is it? It's the lie that gets you. And what is being exposed here is Boris Johnson is being re exposed repeatedly, which, to, to be honest, to anyone who isn't one of his fans, it isn't a shock. He's being repeatedly exposed as a liar. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, um, you know, on, on, on one level, it's, it's almost like, well, I'm sorry, but 
a leopard doesn't change his spots. If you book a tourist sightseeing trip to go see manatees and then complain that you don't see enough dolphins, um, that, you know, this is, you know, it, it, unfortunately, people have chosen to ride this horse for good or for real. Um, and it's not a surprise that he would behave this way to, to probably lots of people that, that were never really fans of his. But nonetheless, he is the prime minister of our country. Um, and... Um, uh, sorry, Tim's just Tim's just pointing out in the comments that my um, the the sheen of my colour appears to be a um, to have a political hue to it. Actually, my jumper is a kind of like a peachy salmon colour, and it's just that the way the the lighting works that it looks like my background is is a yellowish tint, but it's honestly not. Um, but it, it's um, honestly there's no party no party politics in in kind of my statement. But we'll get to some of the the party political nature of it later on. But it, I just yeah. I, well, it's, I mean, the thing is, is it, you can get away with it. Well, if you look at the list, it's, it's not all him. You know, there is stuff outside no. of him, but but there's an element of, you know, good leadership. It, it is is, you know, when this starts to break, you get all of your trusted lieutenants around you, and you go, look, this is really going to hurt us unless we can we can take control and manage it. So, you know, full disclosure, let's get all of the dirty laundry on the table now. Let's not just hope that it's going to go away. And I know there's going to be some uncomfortable things, but I want them, I want to know them all now. But it doesn't feel like that's happened. There's, and, and again, it's that whiff of arrogance that's, oh, blah, 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 well, you know, blah, 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 something over nothing, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's just that feeling that, if I just hold my nose for long enough, the stench will go away. Um, indeed, and the, and the and the crazy thing—I mean, uh, people often talk about kind of the, the dead cat tactic of there's 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 really damaging stuff kind of happening or really important stuff that's happening. So you put something kind of explosive or inflammatory kind of out that really, in the long term, doesn't really do any damages, but just distracts people from. Oh, don't pay attention to this thing over here. Oh, look, shiny thing. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, there are some things going on. Obviously, you know, there's the, the trouble in Ukraine. There's the issues about, um, uh, you know, about um, revelations about um, Chinese influence um, at, the, at the heart of government and all, all sorts of other things kind of coming down the track. But there are, th this thing just doesn't, I, I mean, it quieted down over Christmas. So obviously someone took some time off to spend some time with their family um, and decided kind of, to leave it alone and to be fair while there's no politics going on there's also no politic politi uh, political media yeah. around so there's no point releasing it while while there's kind of nothing happening so that's probably why it went quiet over christmas but now we're kind of back to um um we're, we're kind of back to this groundhog day of just what's next and if you were um you know at the end of the day a political party exists to win elections yeah. and to gain government to be able to put in place the policies they believe that are the right things for the country um a prime minister or any politician is is only good all the time they're they're not damaging the brand all the time they're not a distraction from getting things done distraction is all right if that's distracting things from going yeah. things are going tits up 
And actually, we, we don't want you to look at that. Look at this buffoonery. Look at this. Can't brush his hair. Um, you know, all that all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't care whether the guy can brush his hair or not. I care about him lying to Parliament. I care about him lying to the country. I care about him deceiving people and thinking that that's an okay thing to do. I, I, I think that's a disgraceful thing for any politician to do. Um, sure. and especially our Prime Minister. The country deserves better. And I don't, I don't think actually most people, regardless of what political party they're in, will disagree. Shall we see what the lad had to say for himself? Yeah, let's let's um and here he is down from London. <laughs> yeah. We've got a recording from um we've got a recording from uh from PMQs um that was on the uh, BBC Parliament channel. So so here he is, uh the PM himself. Um, this is his response in PM uh, PMQs. Mr Speaker, I want to apologize. I know that millions of people across this country have made extraordinary sacrifices over the last 18 months. I know the anguish that they have been through, unable to mourn their relatives, unable to live their lives as they want or to do the things they love. And I know the rage they feel with me and with the government I lead when they think that in Downing Street itself the rules are not being properly followed by the people who make the rules. And though I cannot anticipate the conclusions of the current inquiry, I have learned enough to know that there were things we simply did not get right. And I must take responsibility. Number 10 is a big department with the gardeners as an extension of the office, which has been in constant use because of the role of fresh air in stopping the virus and when I went into that garden just after six on the 20th of May 2020 to thank groups of staff before going back into my office 25 minutes later to continue working I believed implicitly that this was a work event but Mr Speaker with hindsight I should should have sent everyone back inside. I should have found some other way to thank them. And I should have recognised that even if it could be said technically to fall within the guidance, there would be millions and millions of people who simply would not see it that way. People who suffered terribly, people who were forbidden from meeting loved ones at all, inside or outside and to them and to this house I offer my heartfelt apologies and all I ask is that Sue Gray be allowed to complete her inquiry into that day and several others so that the full facts can be established and I would of course come back to this house and make a statement. Um, what are your thoughts on that then? It's kind of. Listeners, Ian is lost for words. I'm I'm glad we are recording this moment. Ian is lost for words. Let me. Are you gathering yourself? Oh God. Yeah. Okay. You're not frozen. I can still see you. Um. While you gather yourself, let me let me go through some of the comments. So, um, so um, 
so Paula points out in, in the um, in the live stream comments that obviously it's not just um, the PM. There will there are other people that didn't didn't report that they didn't yep. whistleblow, didn't say that this was happening. So whether that's the people there or whether that's the people that were invited um, and didn't go. Um, there would still be there would still be people that there, so it isn't just um, one. Of, you know, one of them in one of these events should have said something. Why didn't they? Um, Katz points out um, that personally, uh, she doesn't uh, care how they socialised. Each um, is knowing what they are doing and the risk of it um, being exposed. But um, she can't imagine anyone admitting they uh, breached the rules. There are far more important things to debate. Uh, media storm again, whipping up people's feelings and and senses of justice. Uh, nothing political about it. Um, Lynn um, remarks about it, about the statement being we we we. But the the bells are tolling about it being we we we, uh, and then it um, uh, and then uh, it being a load of bollocks basically. Um, and um, Paddy comments uh, ten Downing Street makes it sound smaller, places fast, a few hundred staff, conference centre is much more uh, close to the point. Uh, Tim comments, Boris's problem is cumulative, though. It's not individual failings. Eventually, there's a tipping point created by an in, uh, by an inconsequential item, which becomes the final straw. Mm. Um, and some of the comments we got elsewhere from our, our posts um, sharing about today, um, we had Alex who said, uh, of course, he should resign. Any politician with any decency or an ounce of respect for their people would, which is why he won't. Um, um, Heidi said no he shouldn't uh, Martin said that he's misled Parliament um, Kevin said uh, he will be gone either way his own MPs will throw him out when they think he's losing them votes uh, which he has started to do um, and, and kind of it, it goes on um, it, it goes on like that um, uh, and they're kind of like some similar uh, some similar kind of comments to, the, um, to that um, Leah says uh, no better the devil you know um, so that's kind of a, you know, as, um, actually, is there anyone better out there? Um, so there's a, there's a kind of a, a, a kind of a segue on, on that, that we were, we were kind of hoping to move to of kind of, so what happens now? Like that song from Evita. Oh, so what happens now? Take your picture from another wall. So it happens now. Take your suitcase from another hall. Where am I going yeah. to? Another suitcase full of wine in yeah. another hall. Um, so, I've not um, done bad to pull the lyrics. You've, you've, you've not given me a heads no, up on we, that we've, one. We've done well. We didn't rehearse that. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, his statement. Yeah. Look, well, it, it, is, yeah. It, it is boilerplate apology, isn't it? It, it, it is the, you know, it is, it is the, the little boy who's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar looking at his shoes. Um, mumbling his sorries and I, I i kind of think that you know well yes you've got to let the investigation conclude and you have and and you know i guess look we're, we're doing our own investigation here and and the conclusion is quite simple isn't it that at the heart of westminster there has been a general arrogance that the rules did not apply or could be bent to the point of breaking and actually provided we all stay closely huddled together brackets forgive the pun no one will know and no harm will be done and so I, I think that speaks I, I think it does speak to the Prime Minister I think it speaks to the wider 
you know, the, the wider issue of Westminster and, and accountability. Because let's be honest, the vast majority of people that have attended these gatherings will not be elected officials, will they? They'll be civil servants. This is true. Um, those damned unelect unelected the bureaucrats. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, yes, that's right. These won't be um, elected representatives. So, you know, I don't know whether that that's a positive or a, or a negative because obviously politicians are probably more keenly aware of how things look to the public. Yep. Um, but that's not an excuse, is it? At the end of the day, I mean, like you said, I can't think of a work environment I've worked in where it's actually a considered a norm to have a drink in the office at the end of the day. Um, but I'm welcome to accept offers of employment from them. Mm. Um, so um, I just... Uh, I just find it's a it's a sorry mess, and again, it's it's not the act. It's just that it's a list that seems endless, that keeps coming out bit by bit, and it's just it's just the conceit and the lies, and even that response from the PM. It wasn't. I got this wrong. I should have made sure that at the at the you know at the head of government, we should be setting the right example. Yes. Um, you know, for the for the um, for Downing Street to apologise to um, to the palace, and it's interesting that that was Downing Street, as in so one building apologising to another building. When really, actually, shouldn't that be Boris Johnson apologising to Her Majesty the Queen? Um, uh, yeah. Obviously, that's a private conversation, but it, it's just a point of, oh come on, really? Do you really really think that this is okay? And mm. this is this really your definition of contrition? Because it's not mine. No, and I think the, the 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 key question now is what comes next. Yeah, and and you know, is Boris the brand damaged beyond repair? And I, I guess you know, in terms of the well, there are kind of there are three ways potentially he might go. There is the somewhere in the bottom of his sock drawer, he might find a moral compass and resign. There is the option that Parliament pass a vote of no confidence in him. Or there are 55 Conservative MPs forming a queue at the door of the 1922 committee who do for him from within the party. Yeah, isn't it 54? Sorry. Um, but yes, um, so yes, there's the, so just to kind of cover the process parts of that, um, the, um, part of conservative party rules is that uh, there's a certain percentage of the sitting MPs, if a certain percentage of them submit a letter to, uh, the backbench 22 committee, um, in the conservative party, or oh, we've lost in temporarily, um, to say, um, we think the part the basically there should be a leadership contest that the prime minister should resign or the leader of the party should stand down um if enough of them submit that then effectively a leadership contest ensues um so that's happened before um that happened in john major's time um but, but um we can uh we can see that um you know we won't know what the running total of that is um, we know that some MPs uh, have submitted letters. In fact, we know that um, we know that some 
Uh, we know that some six Conservative MPs have said that the, the Prime Minister should resign. We know that a couple of Tory peers have said that they that he should resign and about 20 Tory MSPs and so members of the Scottish Parliament have said um, that he should resign. Um, so, you know, there is a momentum building, but obviously six is a long way from 54. Um, so there's that possibility. That would mean that the Conservatives were still the government, um, the leading government, uh, leading leading party and the, and the government in the country, but that their leader would would change. The other way would be if there was a motion of no confidence passed in the in the House of Commons. Um, so effectively, that's a vote of all of the MPs in the Houses of Parliament. And if um, if that motion passes, even by one vote, um, then that means that um, that basically, if if another party or another leader cannot secure um, a, uh, basically a, a motion of confidence. So again, a vote saying they should be the prime minister, um, even only by one vote. Um, um, then after, so um, effectively, if, if, for example, the government lost a motion of no confidence, um, then they've got 14 days uh, to win a motion of no confidence, either with the existing leader or with it with a different one, um, or any other party has the, has the same has the same timeline um but if that doesn't happen after after 14 days then effectively what uh, a general election is called um and i can't remember how many days that would be um but it is um it would be a countdown to a, a general election um so um yes that could be how we either affect a change of government or a um, or a change exist, uh, of the existing leader of the Conservative Party, the question is: Will that move take place from within, ahead of the local elections, or perhaps after them, depending on how they go? Um, I'm just trying to check that um, we are still broadcasting because um, I can't see Ian coming back, um, and um, I'm just trying to make sure that we are actually getting some uh, getting some comments through that. Uh, or whether that's actually my connection that's dropped quickly. Okay, thank you, Lynn, uh, for confirming that I'm still here. Um, so I haven't booted Ian out, by the way. He just seems to have lost his his connection. So, um, um, so it's it's just me on my on my little uh, yeah. um, some. Um, but um, we've lost Ian temporarily. He'll be back. He'll be back shortly. But thank you, um, Lynn and um, uh, and Tim for confirming that. Um, so yes, so interestingly enough, um, today the Liberal Democrats have um, released an early day motion um, calling for a motion of no confidence. Uh, now, an early day motion doesn't have to be debated in the House of Parliament, uh, sorry, in the House of Commons, um, and it's up to the government to decide whether that motion is actually debated. Um, so whether that proves to be debated or not, or whether that proves to be parliamentary petulance, um, is another matter entirely. In fact, um, uh, Jim Callaghan, um, his government fell uh, on a motion of no confidence that they lost by one vote. Um, and that caused, if memory serves, the 1979 general election um, that um, that led to um, um, Margaret Thatcher being elected as the, as the prime minister. So uh, there is a precedence of motion and motions of no confidence um, causing a change of government, um, but will will parliament act before the conservative party acts because if, it, if it's one thing that the conservatives seem to be good at it's clinging to power and understanding the difference between being in power and out of power and as much as they might hate each other at times they seem to be more keenly uh, aware that they hate being in opposition even more um so they air their linen 
um, in private until the point that they politically stabbed their prime minister in the back. Um, so in that respect, there's, there's kind of that element um, to it. Um, we shall see actually kind of what takes place um, in relation to that, um, how that goes, and indeed whether that motion is actually discussed at all. Um, so we shall see. Um, but the interesting thing is from a political uh, from a party politics perspective of the of the opposition parties, will that be something, for example, that the Labour Party rally behind? Because um, had they called it, it would have to actually be debated because they're the um, they're the Her Majesty's official opposition because um, they have the power to do that. But um, but with the Conservative Party's eighty odd seat majority um, in Parliament, will that motion pass or be discussed? Um, is the sixty four million dollar question? Would Labour support it? Um, and I can see that Ian is now back and frantically waving to me. Oh, hang on. He seems to be back and then gone. And he's back. We have him back. We have half your face back on the screen. So welcome back, Ian. So I was just talking lists through how a motion of no confidence works and how how Backbench 22, um, 1922 committee works for the Conservative Party. Um, so it's all about whether... Party politics will mean that the parliament actually um, leads to the reselection of a conservative leader or another leader forms um, even a minority administration with the support of the rest, um, or whether actually the Tory party will do for their leader, like to be frank, they have done in the in the past. Um, but an 80 seat majority is relatively, un you know, does sound numerically unassailable. We need 40 of them to, to basically decide to support uh, Doing the doing the government basically for that for that to happen. So would raise would the Lib Dems raising this get the Tories to rally behind it? And maybe Labour might not feel that they can support it because all it will do is say to the Conservatives, "Oh, now we've got to circle the wagons. Now look, they're coming for us. We've got to defend the leader. You know, defend Big Dog, as as the thing says. And we've literally got a corner of your forehead in the corner of the screen. But I think we'll live without that rather than just have you on the right. show instead." We, we... <laughs> Yes, we're going to, we, we, so uh, apologies. Um, fundamentally, um, it would appear that my personal laptop at some point had become unplugged. So uh, I ran out of juice and then obviously had to reboot and get back in. Um, so almost like Boris Johnson, suddenly my power was fading. Well, if you run out of juice, you just send one up, someone up to the co-op, or in our case, McColl's, um, with a suitcase yes. in, to, to get some more juice. That's That's apparently how it's done. Indeed. So, so ultimately, my, my view of it is I, I can see why the Lib Dems have raised the motion. Um, I don't think there are enough angry Conservatives to uh, kind of to, to get that across the line. And I actually wonder whether the Labour Party would even support the motion, because if I was a strategist, I would want to be keeping Boris Johnson in that seat for as long as I possibly could. Now, I know there are many who would say, well, you know, whatever comes next, it's probably going to be worse. Well, I think from a, from the, the, the mood music of the way the country feels at the moment, I, I don't think there are too many of the realistic contenders that have the taint of dishonesty and arrogance that that Boris has around him at the moment so if I was Sir Keir Starmer I, I would it is not in my interest to move Boris on 
Um, that's an interesting an interesting strategy. Um, keep him keep now, him there because he's awful fish... in case they replace him with someone that's vaguely use vaguely good. If such a person exists yeah. in the current government, yeah, and and let's be honest, if I was a member of parliament uh, and a fiscal conservative as I am, I'd be, you know, ultimately, it, it's clear to me that Boris is Boris is a dead man walking. So um, yeah, I'd be forming a, I'd be at the head of the queue at uh, is it Graham Brady's door. Um, yes. for the 1922 committee. Because yeah. um, I, I I think there's an element of, you know, we're either going to, the doing of Boris is either going to happen before or after the May elections. Yes. Now, the risk is that, the risk is that, you know, unless somehow he can wave a magic wand, and I don't think he can because I think he's lost control of the narrative in the mainstream media, I think the risk is that we will pay a very heavy price at the poll polls in May, and we will lose a lot of of, of good conservative councillors. And you know, I, I don't know why we'd wait for that to happen before there's an element of moving Boris on. Indeed. So that's the sixty-four million dollar question. Um, or will the local election results be the basically the final nail in his, in the political coffin, so to speak? Of you know, but again, like you say, um, there'll be many um, conservative councillors that effectively will be the sacrificial lambs for mm. um, for the country's displeasure. And and ruling governments tend to do badly in local elections. That's kind of how the how the how the Popular, popular population tend to express their displeasure with the with the ruling party um but this could be quite in the same way actually last year they they sailed through on a what was somewhat of a um euphoric vaccine wave could this yep. year be quite and forgive the stretching of the pun an antidote to the vaccine euphoria that we had last year um and actually be um a different kind of variant a political variant that does for johnson mm. and and i th that's that where i've got to it is that it, you know you're absolutely right you know midterm elections never go well for sitting governments but last may we actually did really very well um you know this may it, the, the tide has turned and it, it really is about the behavior of of the leadership and I, I don't you know personally for me I, I you know maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong but I don't think I am I think the tide of popular opinion has turned and that element of you know seeing Her Majesty the Queen sat alone at her husband's funeral when the day before there's a big old lash up in the gardens of Downing Street I, I, I Optically, that couldn't look any worse. It's just callous, isn't it? It's just it just looks. It's, callous. Just, it's, it's, yeah. it's that word we is that word we keep coming back to, isn't it? It's arrogance. Mm. Um, oh, don't worry, it'll be all right. Tim, uh, so Tim comments. Uh, Boris stays. In, so his prediction is that Boris will stay until Sue Gray uh, reports, and then he resigns. 
um, in a show of principle, um, the Conservatives then moved to a straightforward leadership contest with Liz Truss uh, winning, having repaired relations with the EU. Um, I, I think there's some fantastical predictions in that statement. I, Only time will tell which ones. I, do you know what? But you never know, it could turn out to be true. I, you could I, be on the money, Tim. I, I don't... I, I actually think that's not a bad mm. shout. I think that's a... You know, at the end of the day, and again, there, there is an element, and, and Boris has shown this in the past, that he gets bored. Yes, usually at the point you know, he starts he, getting he, found out. He, for he, um, but it, yeah, um, yes, but, yeah, mm. and and so that, so there is an element of, and again, I don't know, you know, really good leaders have their trusted confidants and lieutenants, and if whoever you know, Boris is prepared to listen to. And, you know, if I was sat there, I would be having the conversation with him that says, you know, this is a way for you to go gently into the good night. And you'll, you know, whilst it may not be the legacy that you want, you will always be the prime minister that got Brexit done. Now, we can hang about that. But there is an element of, but but Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, that that is, yeah. That, you know, that's the that's the image that you can. That that that, that is yes, the sell, yes. is Yes, you yeah. you won third runner-up in the three-legged um, race. You um you, aren't aren't you a, aren't you a clever boy? Um, so yeah, I th- um time. But but there are, but there are there are things mm-hmm. in history which will you know, the collapse of the Red Wall, and you know the the eighty-seat majority. Will will forever be a numeric truth. Uh, yes, this is true. Um, you know that you know. So there there is element of whilst you know many will believe that it was based on shifting sands and half truths. I appear to be being set about my cat. You are. There um, is there is indeed um, some feline interference um, in the podcast. Um, but yet um, time will tell how long the X red wall stays blue. Yeah, exactly. Um, and exactly. We, we shall see. And just for the benefits of the podcast, this is Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle. Okay. So welcome to the podcast, Sir Arthur, Sir Arthur Kitten Doyle. Um, uh, Katz points out that um, wasn't his arrogance that got him through Brexit. Um, it, indeed. So there are times where where you can, as a personality trait, bloody mindedness, um, which yes. can be can be arrogance depending on your perspective bloody mindedness forces things to get done so you know um it's uh there are different perspectives to be honest if i'm honest it's not one i agree with about brexit but i don't want to open that conversation now so um yeah so okay we've talked about the pm we've talked about parties enough shall we see what's being served up on the courts in australia well we we in the inter- we're gonna have to do this one at speed mm. Um, because that a, um, we, we really have that a obviously high powered serve. It could be so. Um, yes. So the, the the first defending Australian Open champion um, to have lost their title, only having missed two shots, as it were. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well done. Uh, That's I've good. Got to, yeah. Yep. No, I know I've got to thank uh, Nikki and the internet for that one. Um, so Novak Djokovic, defending champion, always does well in the Australian Open, one of the world's top tennis players, arrives in Australia, 5th of January, um, believing that he's got an exemption to go into Australia um, because he had tested positive for COVID in the middle of December. 
Um, there appears to be some confusion at that point. He gets put into a quarantine hotel um, and is going to be deported. He um, objects um, or appeals the decision and it's overturned on a technicality. The Australian um, immigration minister, Alex Hawke, then does the, well, I don't care about the technicalities, you're not coming in, and revokes his um, his visa again. And then today, um, very early hours of this morning, he went back to court to try and challenge the uh, decision to, um, to send him home, lost that, and is probably touching down in Dubai just about now. Now, the interesting thing is when you look back at his defence, which is, well, I had COVID, which is why I didn't need to to turn up. So most speculation says that he was at a basketball match on the 14th, um, front row seats, and that looks like in Serbia that became a significant spreader event. On the 17th, he does a lateral flow. It tests negative. The 16th lateral flow test negative does a PCR sends it off the lateral flow sorry the lateral flow is tested positive so you think at that point you'd be a bit circumspect no 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 on the 17th he's on social media at uh, the children's tennis center the Novak Djokovic center in Serbia handing out awards lots of photos with children in close proximity no mask Later that day, his PCR test comes back positive. So you have a positive lateral flow, a positive PCR. So under Serbian law, he now has to self-isolate for 14 days. Except on the 18th, he's off to do a photo shoot and an interview with Equipe, which is a French sports newspaper. Um, he later confesses that he feels that that was probably an error of judgment and that he shouldn't have gone to that knowing he was positive and that he cancelled all future events. And now he's headed back to Serbia. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn's comment is that the Aussie state seems to have cocked this up, but he, he does seem to be um, to be quite arrogant. It kind of seems to me that the, the Australian government haven't kind of showered themselves in glory, but they seem to have got to the right decision in the end. Because to me... He's demonstrated that if he actually had COVID, he doesn't follow COVID regulations. And if your Im immigration policy is that you should either be vaccinated or you need to follow and you need to follow COVID regulations, that kind of like, do you want someone going on television that's demonstrating that you don't follow COVID regulations? Um, no. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and and it's interesting because Australia, again, not being an expert in Australian politics, but each of the different states has an element of South self-governance yes, they're, they're a federal um, system so, yeah. yeah so there is so in the cricket england was supposed to play the last test in perth um i can't remember which one it was it western australia um basically said well if you want to come you know from queensland to perth you're gonna to have to self-isolate for 10 days to which they said well we can't play a game of cricket then where interestingly the government in tasmania said well you can come to hobart and you won't need to self-isolate at all now it turns out it's a dreadful result for england as obviously they went to hobart and got absolutely stuffed um so it would have been better not to have played at all but i think for me that the whole thing with Djokovic is that 
And it touches a little bit on like that first story, isn't there? There's an arrogance. You know, well, I don't need to get I don't need to get vaccinated. You know, I'm in my early mid thirties, I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm I'm a professional athlete. You know, what why do I need to bother? And then when the rules say, well, it's not about you, it's about the rules, tries to find a loophole and just has a glaring arrogance in terms of you know, I knew I was positive, but I went and did a photo shoot. Yeah, it, it, yeah. To me, it's that. It's that. It's the either way you look at it. If your country's um, border control measure is that someone should either be vaccinated or demonstrate that they've recently had COVID, okay, fine. Maybe you know, no, you know, cross on one, tick on, tick on the other. But either he did have COVID at that point. Um, and didn't follow the regulations where he was, or yep. he didn't really have COVID at that point, and that's why he didn't follow the regulations. Um, obviously, we don't have access to the to the medical information that that would say it kind of either way. But to me, um, oh no, he's, it, he's been very clear. Yeah, but he's been I very, had COVID. Yes. Well, <laughs> I knew I knew I had a positive PCR, but I did a couple more gigs before I then decided I'd probably better cancel the rest. Yeah. Then to me, that says. Um, then for the public good, you need to be not be in a situation where you're unable to do that. Um, and Australia yep. is a, one of the countries in the world that has some of the some of the most stringent um, COVID COVID regulations um, in the world. I wouldn't necessarily say that I, that um, that they're ones that I would like to see enacted in this country. But nonetheless, you go to another country, you obey by their rules, you obey by their laws. So uh, it was a strange thing to see old friend Nigel Farage riding in to defend uh, an Eastern European, going getting into a country where their board, their own control of their own borders, said that he shouldn't. And that is, I think, probably a wild and wacky place to end <laughs> today's podcast. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. Uh, and I've been Simon Sansbury. Don't forget to join us next week, which unless the government delay the decision again, we'll be welcoming back the, um, the campaigners from Let's Stop Aquind to discuss the quasi Quarteng's decision about whether to allow um, Aquind to dig a trench all the way up through Portsmouth and call chaos in order to bury a power cable. So join us next week, 627. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 627pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See, it's easy. <laughs>